for moving forward in terms of if we want to continue to um, maintain and grow Quidditch, I think it seems really important that we don't lose those particular qualities and those values that have brought you to the game, but also keeping you there. So uh, it's really important from the strategic planning process that we capture those values. So what I want to move on to now is just to actually list and brainstorm. From your perspective, what are the values that you want to see moving forward in Quidditch? So they might be current values that we maintain, but they might be um, they might also be values that you think you need to be better considered. I think we could write on the right on the whiteboard. And if you're recording, Norma, um, Nora, please also feel welcome to, to contribute. We should be able to print that up if there's paper in there after the event, but we can take photos of it anyway. So I'm going to open back up to you rather than me sort of say what I've heard. Um, because you've all heard everyone's comments, what do you think are the important values that you would want to see um, continue on and be reflected in this strategic planning document that we're producing? Anyone? Just you'll need you'll need the microphone to uh, and to pass it around. Um, I'd say it's supporting individual player growth. So like the ability of individuals to get better and to play at the competitive level that they want to, um, which I guess we've seen through like state and national teams, the opportunity to play competitively and at high levels and to be trained and to train in ways that support those goals. Um, yeah. I was going to say pretty much the same thing of supporting individual play growth, but not necessarily through providing like state opportunities and national opportunities, but actually just like, like we talked about um, Catholic sister coming to the sport as a way to get fit. And like, I've definitely had people in my own club who come to Quidditch because they haven't been able to find a sport where they can be fit and exercise in a space that they feel accepted, a space they feel they can improve. Yeah. So I think you also need to work towards supporting individual player growth at any level um, where they are at. even if it is at much lower levels. So what you're talking about is being accepting of people's own personal goals, um, regardless of whether that means competition at a state level or not. It, it, yeah. Like, that's kind of exactly what I was going to say. Like, I know you said, like, it's like all abilities, all genders, everyone is welcome. You have a place here, however you want to play, however you want to train. We just want to see you get what you want out of the sport and that is super important whether someone just wants somewhere to run around for a few hours a week and stay fit and stay active whether someone wants a community of friends to play sport with you, supporting what they want and seeing them improve in the ways that they want to improve I know that there are a lot of people who Quidditch is a really important part of their mental health and of, of kind of their, their security and their, their support system. And going to training is a way for them to really ground themselves and, and have something to look forward to. And if that's their goal, then supporting them 
may not be providing a state opportunity. They're not interested in that. Mm. It's what they want out. And if they're improving and doing stuff that they couldn't do six months ago, even if to someone else, that is not something that they're talking about as an achievement. For them, it is. And I feel that that's something that we really want to keep around. And there's an acceptance of that is the other point that you're making. That, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily that you win the competition. It's about accepting um, people's different goals and, and, and motives for being involved. Anyone else have some ideas about values? So, you know, the acceptance and the support are kind of value kind of statements. So we'll, there's no wrong answers here. We'll, you know, be refining this when it comes to the next stage. Any other comments about values and what's important? Um, oh, I was going to say, for, for, for me, one of the sort of cardinal, I guess, founding values of Quidditch is, I guess, inclusivity, which relates to acceptance and so on. Um, I feel like inclusivity is written into the rules with the gender rule and so on. Um, and it's written into the community attitudes in general and was the sort of the, the, the idea behind the all genders, all abilities, all welcome is that anyone can come and play Quidditch um, and any level of contribution to the sport, whether it's coming to training once a week or whether it's coming to training three or four times a week and join the drop bears, either, either level of that contribution into the sport is valuable. I was going to say the same thing, just inclusivity in terms of gender and skill and all different things. So it's broader. Gender is obviously important, but it's broader than that um, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Would I be correct in saying that we're the only sport that has three genders? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, I don't think any other sport has a non-binary gender. We all genders because yeah. people of each and every gender don't count as a third gender. They count as their own gender. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the way that we the way that we have it like in in mixed futsal, there's um a mi it's usually a minimum, whereas we have a like a maximum. We we have a minimum of two females on the field and then the rest can be males, but there's no no mention of any other kind of gender. I think that's really important to highlight as well. Yeah, it's a minimum, not a max. Yeah, I, I was kind of going to, yeah, kind of mention that. We are, I think, the only sport that officially recognise non-binary players and have exclusive, like, explicitly include them in our rules. It's like not only do we accept you, we are explicitly welcoming you and going, no, we want you here, we know you're here, and we are taking steps to account for that. Um, and that's important because there is a difference between accepting and kind of like knowing, yeah, we know you're here, but we're not going to really acknowledge you and explicitly going, no, you're in our rule book. Um, just as a, a different value, um, moving away from this, I think, um, the value like player safety, I think is something that is obviously always something that people look on positively, but hasn't necessarily been to the level that I think it could be at. Um, so, you know, we talk about having a, a full contact sport, uh, and regardless of whether it's 
people of different genders or just people of different body shape and size. I think being able to promote uh, an environment where people can actually like every single person can feel confident in playing a full contact sport rather than just like you have it kind of having to be like a pioneer of like, yeah, I'm happy to tackle and get tackled. Also actually uh, set up an environment where we can bring people in who might be um, wary about that and make sure that we are looking after their safety and not also just not in contact, but just in general, I guess, safety. I think while the mic's moving, another one that I have noticed over the years is, um, especially because Quidditch is such a, like a, uh, has a young, a, young, a young player base, so a player base is primarily people sort of coming out of high school into university. The sort of um, personal growth that you see in players over the time that they're playing and the opportunity Quidditch gives them to sort of develop their skills in leadership and so on is, is a really big part of the sport as well, I think. Like you have lots of kind of people who, um, especially kind of people who come to Quidditch who maybe aren't very outgoing, um, come to the sport as very sort of shy, nervous first years. And three years later, they're like running things in charge of clubs and coaching and so on. Um, and you see that massive character development in those people over the couple of years that they've been involved in Quidditch. Um, I think that's something really valuable that people take away from the sport as well. Um, sorry. Uh, another one is attitude. I think it's um, something that hasn't been emphasised particularly as much as it maybe should be, but that everyone has, like, places the spirit of Quidditch and understands why we're there. Are they good sports? They're um, not only safe, but they're um, honest. Like, that sort of attitude. Um, yeah. I was going to say, related to AJ's point, um, is accessible leadership opportunities and like accessible bodies that are in charge. So it's relatively easy to, um, like it can be easier and I think that's something that should be improved, but it's relatively easy to be like, I want to make a change. I'm going to join QA or QNSW or my team's leadership team. And then you get like the active ability to make changes. Um, so like while we could improve transparency and accountability from the the groups that are in charge, it's still relatively easy to join them. And I think that's something that is unique to most sports. You know, you can't join, like, you can't change the rules of soccer, but you can with Quidditch. Well, at this stage, you can. Uh, yeah. You know, in five years' time. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you can you can say, well, we want two divisions, we want one division. We yeah. Yeah. Nora, did, Nora, Jamie, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Um, You'll need a mic. <laughs> I think um, I think that I like about what Courtney was saying about the spirit of Quidditch. I think Courtney was talking a lot on pitch, like fair play and being honest, but also I really like how everyone chips in to set the field up, take the field down, volunteers for things most of the time. Um, there's a fundraiser, you receive support. Um, yeah, there's an exchange student, no problem, come train, you just have to sign this form. I think, yeah, it does tie in with inclusivity, but it's in more of a collaborative sense. So I'm just gonna put 
collaboration spirit mm. of Quidditch. Oh, and also, if I write something that you think doesn't reflect what you said, just tell me and I'll change it. I think, sorry, are you done? Yeah. Um, I think on a, on a similar point, we have a, a comment from Ingram here about Quidditch um, having the difference between welcoming and tolerating. I think in lots of circumstances, if someone came to a, a new sport, for example, they might be tolerated, but in Greece, they are welcomed. And that's a very important um, difference. Like, I know that, like, when we host our come and tries, it's everyone jumps in and it's like, yeah, we under, we know that running around with a broom takes some getting used to. We know that catching a ball when you're trying to focus on the million other things that are happening on pitch right now is harder than it seems. And everyone is okay with that. Everyone is super on board with really working with new players and being like, yeah, we, we know that you're going to drop the passes. We know that it's going to like that doing this drill that we've been doing for two years. And so it is our warm up is really hard the first time as you do it and everyone is really cool about it and really actively trying to help you improve. Move over and then Nora. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on the inclusivity stuff, um, I also think that we, it, it's worth mentioning the mental health side of things as well. Um, like Logan was saying in sports like soccer, there's not really an accepting sort of culture with things like depression and anxiety and various other mental health problems. And I think that in Quidditch, regardless of what team you play for, everyone's really understanding and welcoming. And, you know, if you're like, I can't come to this game because my anxiety is through the roof or whatever, everyone's just like, yep, yeah, cool, whatever. Whereas in soccer, you'd be like, oh, you're letting the team down, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's yeah worth mentioning that. Okay. And Nora? This is... I think that I'm not sure it applies to every team, but the fact that it's money accessible, it's really important. If they asked me $500 a year to play a sport, I probably wouldn't. Uh, I looked into joining cheerleading is over $1,000 a semester. <laughs> so like, oh, so the affordability aspect affordability isn't important. Is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Just because... And this comes to, this speaks of my background. I think team sport and fitness opportunities should be affordable to everyone. And I know New South Wales has great active kids vouchers. But once you get to university, these opportunities drastically become a lot more expensive. Keeping Quidditch affordable to me is Adult sport yeah, is expensive. So let's, let's add that. And I want to say part of these entire no, uh, national state organization recognition is to try and keep Quidditch affordable, yeah. even though that maybe sport grant allocation might not be as transparent as we like. <laughs> I feel that's, not, that's also specifically important for our, um, like our people on exchange. We have players every year who are there just for the year because they've come on exchange and we're accessible for them because it's not that much money. We're not asking them to fork out 
a lot of money to play and they're like, yeah, okay, I'll play for a semester. I'll play for a year. And they have a great time. I'll, like Every single year saying goodbye to our exchange um, players is hard because we really do like provide them a community while they're in Australia um, and keeping that affordable for them yeah. is they won't do it if it's not affordable because they're on exchange. Everything is very expensive. They're not going to commit to doing a sport. That. So I just wanted to add, I've, I just wanted to um, share with you the, the values that have been identified by the International Quidditch Association because clearly Quidditch Australia has, has a link with that. Um, and some of you may have been involved in the development of these. Um, but their first one is inclusivity. And I, so now that I've struggled over it, I'm going to keep struggling over the word, um, where they say Quidditch is a sport that welcomes, celebrates and actively encourages participation by diverse people. As a community, we want our sport to be inclusive of people of different ethnicities, cultural backgrounds, ages, languages, genders and sexual orientations. A key demonstration of this is the gender rule, which you've mentioned, uh, where players are able to play as the gender that they identify. Um, and like all communities, we have ways that we can improve our inclusive and this is something we're actively working on. So that's that's one example, and there are a couple of others that I'll share with you. This is this type of statement in terms of a value statement that then gets trans transferred into our strategic plan. So it's very clear to anyone in the public, Sports Australia, um, anyone who's coming to join Quidditch, that this is what we're about. Um, they also talk about integrity. Integrity is about being honest and holding yourself to high moral principles, both on and off the field. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've just got the main words in the slides. Uh, both on and off the field, players, Quidditch players try, try to be, strive to be people of integrity and encourage similar in others. Accessibility, um, which is one of the points that you've also made. Um, a unique sport for many reasons, and this has encouraged people not usually inclined to play a sport to pick it up and become more physically active, as well as encouraging more people to be active. We want to be a sport that as many people as possible can play by being accessible to people with different differing abilities to play. Adaptions of Quidditch, such as wheelchair Quidditch, seek to address some of those barriers by adapting the sport for differing physical abilities. Um, they then go on to organisational values, which kind of picks up on some of what you've talked about here. Um, one, of, one of which is openness. Uh, we want to be open with a community. This means clearly communicating with our members and the broader community of players, volunteers and supporters. We also want to be an open, welcoming organisation that people feel able to engage with, work with or volunteer with. Um, the second organisational value is empowering. We believe our role is to support and empower people within our community to do the best they can. So we've talked about that as well. Um, and we want to encourage our volunteers and give them the skills and help them uh, what they need to do the best that they can. We want to work with NGBs, teams and players around the world to do the best we all can be to take our sport to the next level. So there's quite a lot of you know, similarity there, which it could be. Um, but we'll capture, we'll capture that and we'll explore those more as we develop the, 
the, the plan. But it comes back to that statement that I was making earlier is that people engage in activities and successful organisations have really clear values and they speak to the heart, not just to the what we're going to do. And I think that's what we want to try to, as Quidditch evolves, a lot of what you've talked about needs to be carried forward and not lost. As an organisation gets more and more players or more and more people, sometimes some of what you've talked about in terms of the, the welcoming and the people and feeling okay can get lost along the way. So we want to make sure that as Quidditch develops, that that's carried forward. So now I want to move on to vision. And just think for a minute and then we're, we're going to brainstorm again. So we might need to... Yeah, thank you, Nora. So what we want to move on now is I want you to think five years from today's day. Will be ten years if you if you feel you can see further than that. And you're sitting five years in five years' time, and you've marvelously enough created an organisation that you most wanted to create, and you've achieved the things that you most desired to achieve. So initially, I'd I'd like you to think individually, what would that organisation look like? What would the image of Australian Quidditch be like in your own mind? And then I want us to think about it in, in terms of our states and our country and in the world. So five years from now, you're sitting there thinking, wow, this is a fabulous organisation and I've achieved all of these things that I've desired. What would that actually look like? And where we're headed with this is we want to create a vision statement. To begin with, we'll just do a whole lot of brainstorming and then we can refine it into as many of you are able to do, you know, hashtags and, and, and headliners and taglines. That's where we, we want to achieve something that's short and punchy and really says what this organisation's about. But to get there, we need to do a bit of brainstorming and a bit of exploring. So is there anyone who's prepared to share at this stage, where, you know, where they'd see themselves in five years' time? What's this organisation look like? Logan. So I'm basically um, four teams and also teams spread over one. Can I just get... Oh, yeah, totally because we're trying to record. Sorry, yeah, so just repeating my point, uh, I think it's just um, to have more teams and also have those teams spread over a, a wider area as well. I'd also say that um, more teams, but a more even spread in terms of competitiveness. So rather than like a single dominant team, um, 
or a couple of dominant teams, but more teams at each level. So more teams at the top, more teams in the middle, um, kind of like a, a greater spread of skill between the teams. Anyone else got a vision for what? Um, kind of piggybacking off what Ava said, not just, but like kind of more focused development across these different like competitive levels. Like I think it's really good. We're getting a lot of development of players at that higher end, but in terms of kind of like lower end development, it's not really there right now. And I think it's just becoming this thing where the stronger players are getting strong, but then some of the players at the bottom are kind of getting left behind with no way to move up. Anyone else? Recognition as an actual sport. Yeah, I was going to... Sorry, just um, one more thing before I forget. Um, established youth leagues and possibly in schools as well. I was, I was going to make the point of um, um, having public perception of, of Critch as something legitimate as opposed to some random university sport or some random things that people do as a hobby. Um, people maybe don't play cricket themselves, but they've heard of it and they go, oh yeah, that's an actual sport that people play with serious intent. And that's not a, necessarily a weird thing anymore. I add on to that as well. Um, potentially mixed thoughts on it, but I think, so like I had, yeah, removal of like the stigma around playing Quidditch, but also uh, removal of the connotation towards Harry Potter and having it stand stand alone as its own sport that doesn't need like has those roots but doesn't need to be a nerd thing. If that makes sense. I think it's interesting you talk about the roots and the Harry Potter because there's been a lot of discussion and debate about that in recent years. And I guess I've just recently been down to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and. Um, and, you know, I hear about young people or, you know, the future of Quidditch not, not being attractive to young people, but the, the theatre's full of young people and you go to Myers to the Harry Potter um, shopping thing and it was, you know, six assistants in, in a small area of Myers where you can hardly ever find a shop assistant in the rest of Myers and, you know, heaps of people there having their photos taken in the photo um, booth and, and, and so it's kind of the challenge for me is how do you actually, you mentioned the roots, how do you maintain the roots and move it away from, from the cutesy kind of image into a sport but you don't want to lose those roots because, you know, you've got a whole lot of 11-year-olds, 5 to 11-year-olds, 5 to 13-year-olds who are, re, you know, re, learning about, you know, finding Harry Potter now. And you've got, you know, a lot of my friends who's having children who have loved Harry Potter and they're introducing Harry Potter to their children. So it's sort of, I really like you saying about the roots. So you don't want to lose those roots, but you somehow, which is a strategic challenge in itself, move it into, um, you know, a sport sort of, not so cutesy domain. Um, who has the mic? Yes. Oh, sorry. I just kind of wanted to add on to the improvement, like the improvement of players, not just at all levels, but kind of 
at all in all different play styles because I feel like a lot of the time there's a big the the kind of preconceived notions of how someone should play whether it's because of their size whether it's because of their um even just their 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 personality and the way that they are that they should play a certain way and that they're having that freedom to explore how you work best on pitch and how you work with everyone else regardless of your gender regardless of your size regardless of your sporting experience your the way that you play and the way that you play best on pitch is not going to be the same as someone else and having that freedom to explore without kind of those like that stigma again whether it's the stigma of having someone play in a certain position um or having someone play in a certain role kind of on pitch or in plays kind of being free of that and allowing people to actually figure out how they work best with their team um is i think something that we we do really want to work towards um Thoughts? I think, no, sorry, Nora. Adding to what Maria has said, I think this is achievable if you have trained coaches, because a good coach is the one that sees how you play and can empower you to play in your own way and make it effective. Instead, we have, unfortunately, a lot of coaches who see how you play and say, okay, well, you're going to play this role uh, because that's, how he, that's what you fit in without developing you, but making you fit into a predefined play style. So like if you're a big, big strong person, you're going to be a, a keeper. And if you're a good catcher, you're going to be a receiver. But that's not, that's not how people fit in boxes. Um, kind of adding on to that, seeing more females in leadership roles, be that on and off pitch, so keepers or, um, you know, or like ball carriers and playmakers and um, aggressive beaters, not necessarily, but like guiding it a lot more than the typical um, defensive or seeing more female refs and snitches um, and seekers and that sort of thing would be really cool. Um, another thing is having a more engaged community. So a community that like, is very aware of these values and living them out, is very involved in volunteering, um, is very ready to step up and initiate having events and fundraising and getting the word out there and um, and wanting to be part of these discussions. And so Are you we, talking about a Quidditch community there? So Yeah, I'm talking about the Quidditch community. Or the broader community. No, the Quidditch community. Quidditch community. Having like an engaged culture and attitude towards like how they relate to the community at large. Ava, did you... I was going to say the same thing as Courtney, um, more of an expectation that volunteering is just the natural way to be a participant in the sport and member of a volunteer on sport to be one of the volunteers who sets up pitches like referees, snitches or fundraisers or yeah, yeah, provides food, etc. Um, and just that being not the same people again and again, um, but everyone has it like in the back of their mind, well, I'm expected to volunteer and that's why there's such a low cost and that's why I'm able to participate in so many different things is because volunteers make it happen. That also kind of ties into it still staying like it's not just the sport and I feel like all of us can say like 
Quidditch is not just a sport to any of us. Um, That's very clear from your introductions. Yeah, like it, it's it's not just a sport. It's it's a community and having it stay that way, it's really easy when you get big for people to stop kind of feeling it. It Well, it's just something I go and do for a couple of hours on every weekend or whatever. It's like, no, it's not just that. And it hasn't been just that for us. So keeping that. It's the spirit the that you future, want to maintain. Yeah. yeah. AJ. Um, yeah, I've had a couple of, of thoughts at this point. Um, I want to touch back on the Harry Potter point. Like in the future, I think at, at the moment, Harry Potter is like our best friend, but also worst enemy when it comes to recruitment. Like on the one hand, it's the reason Quidditch is so successful. But on the other hand, it's also reason we like, it's the primary stigma around the sport as well is the Harry Potter aspect. And so we have to find some way going forwards of, of negotiating those two things and working out a, a fine middle ground. Um, I think in the future, Quidditch needs to get, get better at being a spectator sport and being more accessible to random spectators. <laughs> um, not just from like a, a, a viewing perspective and like making it more mm-hmm. accessible to the passerby, but also just a, a, um, like from, a, from a scheduling perspective, for example, lots of people talk about how hard it is to advertise say, Quidditch schedules because you, know, you never know how long a game is going to last, that sort of thing. Um, and the rules of the game are so incomprehensible to an external viewer as well. Um, there has to be some sort of easier way of presenting the sport um, and making it more accessible to the general public. So you want a following in, in essence, yeah, like exactly. many of the other sports. The kind have. of thing that MLQ is trying to do and is doing with some success within the community, I think, but it's still really hard to do outside the community. Um, I also want to touch on coaching leadership as well. I think that's such a big, important part of the sport in that I think some of the most important leadership roles within clubs, as far as recruitment is concerned, as far as attention is concerned, is the coach because they're the person who is on the ground in a team and interacting most with new players all the time and can be a primary force for them wanting to stay around and want to keep improving themselves and develop and motivating them to to, um, get more engaged in the community. And at the moment, it's a very, very hit and miss with if your club gets a good coach or not, because it is one of the players who happens to be good, really. Um, and so if we have programs around developing coaches and um, making better coaches and making better leaders in Quidditch, that'll help the sport a lot. Um, and the final point that I had, partially off Courtney's point, like I think that we all love Quidditch for its diversity and for its being gender inclusive. But we'd be kidding ourselves if we think that it is a gender equal sport, and there's a lot of scope for improvement on that on that front. Um, but also, like not just in gender, for example, like creation is also a very predominantly white sport, um, and I think there's a lot of ground to be made up there in um, appealing to ethnic minorities as well. There's one to add a couple of points to things that have been said. So we talked about like the youth leagues idea, which is also something that I'd um, thought of and written down, but also I think just looking at um, having Quidditch be applicable to just a wider age range in general. So like having lived in Canberra, public servants are like the classic, what I think of as a middle-aged person, but like there's so many times where like every lunchtime you go past a public service building and they're out playing soccer or something on the lawns and they run um, competitions like that. So I think, being able to move into a space where not only we're creating new pathways, but we're also 
um, continuing to engage um, people after they've gone past like the university years. Um, and also then going back to this point of like allowing it to be an area where people can go out and get fit, um, allowing people who maybe have dropped out of sports because they stop being athletic and they um, don't, that you know, they can't jump back into the soccer or the volleyball that we've talked about as well. Um, allowing like being open to those people as well. Um, and then I also just wanted to add, um, so like with coaches, like having some coaching development pathway, but also for officials like referees and stuff like that. I was um, wondering whether the, when you raised referees. <laughs> okay, leave it on. I uh, had it in my mind. But um, yeah, also yeah, having something where um, uh, inviting new referees and officials to be a part of the sport, but also allowing them to have, again, development pathways, ways to improve and ways to maintain um, their, their abilities and their skills and everything. Yeah. Nora? Um, this is kind of difficult because I sort of disagree with someone. Uh, <laughs> but this but is a brainstorm. Yeah. So, you know. I'll just say what I think. Just say what you think. Yeah. Um, I like very much the sentence, uh, volunteering is a normal part of participating in the sport. And I think this is fine for a five and 10 year vision. But I think if I think about the generation after us, I would maybe want paid people to do the things instead of relying on volunteers. At the moment, we need to rely on volunteers. It is inevitable and it's great if we can get a community that's happy to volunteer and understands that volunteering is good. But I think we should also work towards people who just sign up and don't volunteer because there are people paid to do things. So. They're not yeah. necessarily mutually exclusive, though. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, many sports have pro professional or have paid people. So maybe um, start thinking yeah, I mean, about Frisbee's a one professional <laughs> group, but they still have a lot of volunteers. Maybe like a professional group that starts developing yeah. that might evolve into a professional league or something. Yeah. 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 And and once again, this is a brainstorm. There's no right or wrong, and you don't have to agree with one another. We'll be filtering it all through. So, I agree with that point, Nora. I think that um, paid positions is the way to go in the future. But you have to be aware that to have that happen, there has to be some kind of leeway in terms of the affordability of the sport. Like there is a reason why soccer costs three hundred dollars for a season. You know things like that so you've got to sort of cost well yeah that's right so you've got to be aware that there's got to be a little bit of leeway in terms of the affordability and then paying the, yeah. the position yeah i think it is it is interesting to note on that point that like um in usq for example who are uh i guess like five six seven eight years i guess ahead of us in terms of development um usq executive director is a paid position um so um, I also saw a quickly note from, from Ingram, um, a brief thought on the Quidditch label. Um, he says that youth Quidditch or youth league Quidditch should keep the word Quidditch to keep the hyper association for kids. Um, but um, in the adult version of uh, Quidditch, um, probably shouldn't keep that Quidditch label. 
um, because in this context, the Harry Potter can be a distractor to the sport. I mean, like, fair idea, but also I feel like it should be noted that's sort of creating a disconnect where the youth league is presumably existing not only to just be involved in the kids, but actually to be a pathway to then get involved in like adult Quidditch. But like, there's still, there's still. Uh, there's still like marketing stuff that also I think needs to be considered in that point of um, still actually having the connection that we are using the youth league as a as a pathway to get more people involved. Um, but like, yeah, sense. I mean, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. It would be my my simple analogy. Yeah, um, kind of separate to that, but um, something I've thought about that we that I, I don't know. I feel is a really important part is our fantasy tournaments and our um like the opportunities that you have to like every every team pretty much hosts open trainings and we're more than happy to um like get yeah, play play with and against each other it's really really fun playing with people you've never played with and having fan like having fantasy tournaments and having casual like like merc games or fun games at the end of trainings, open trainings and stuff where you are getting the chance to really work with and interact with everyone, not just the people in your team is really valuable Mm. as a player because it does mean that you get more exposure, but it's also a really, really strong um, like bonding experience for the community because these are people you've played with now and these people that you've, share a pitch with. Um, I think that's kind of obvious when you look at the teams that exist within a bubble because they're geographically isolated is they, um, and like the state of Queensland is a good example, um, but also players at ANU don't have the ability to just like pop over to Merck on like an afternoon or whatever. So they, um, and players in Wollongong and stuff lack the ability to compete against other players. So I think um, increasing opportunities for teams that are geographically isolated to compete against other people outside of a tournament is really valuable for their development um, and a great experiences. So when you see players from Wollongong and stuff that make their way to Merck or to Fantasies, there's got to be like such a huge improvement because they also just learn about what the rest of the state or what the rest of Australia is doing. Um, I'm going to stop us there in terms of this section. A lot of these ideas will actually be carried forward into the session that Jamie is going to be running and even into this afternoon session where we'll unpack this a lot more.